welcome to episode 18 of the Amplified Marriage Podcast. Can you survive a Jekyll and Hyde? Welcome to another episode of Amplified Marriage. I'm Brian. I'm Natalie. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, have a seat, grab a coffee, grab a tea. We are going to be talking today about... How to survive a Jekyll and Hyde. Wow. (laughs) If you happen to miss last week's episode, we had a really great interview with my mother, uh, Linda. We talked about her journey and the things that happened on her road to divorce. Mm -hmm. Some of the warning signs. Some of the warning signs. What went wrong. Yeah, and things that she saw, things that she wished she had. So if you have... uh, a chance, go back and listen to that episode. It yeah, was a really, really, really good, good one. Really, really raw and honest conversation. Yeah, it was really raw. And so today what we want to do is we just want to have a conversation with each other about the early stages of our relationship. You've heard us mm-hmm. mention some of the things that we've gone through, some of the things that uh, have happened just as part of the story or some of the things we've been trying to communicate and coach yeah. people through. Our quirks. Our quirks and our weirdness. Um, but today we just kind of want to break it down and kind of start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So when I was born, oh my, <laughs> no, we don't want to start there. Okay. Our son would say in the 1850s. I'm not that old. When Dad was born. Yeah, I get. All old right, jokes let's take us back kids. to 1999. What's in 1999? That's when we started dating. Oh yes, back to <laughs> 1999 is when we were starting to date. That's right. How did we start dating? Well, we met as young adults at Casey's group at our church. Yeah. Um, She's pretty. And I, well, he had, well, he still does have beautiful blue eyes. I think that's what initially attracted me to you. It was something I had prayed my for. Blue because eyes? Not my huge muscles. My, no. My blue eyes. It was, it was all about the eyes. And, um, but I didn't like you. No, you really didn't. I didn't. Do you remember when we went out with uh, our, my buddy Craig and we were mm-hmm. going to shoot pool? And then I asked for your phone number and you dodged it. And yep. then you finally caved in after I asked for the phone number. That's right. And I gave you a fake number. You gave me a fake number. That yep. doesn't – everyone who's listening, this does not just happen in the movies. No. And um, it. I mean it took some time. I had just gotten out of a uh, – longish relationship and so there was some wounds and there was some tender areas and um what started off i think really at opposite ends of the table because our young adults group would always go to boston pizza um for appies afterwards and Mm -hmm. so we would always sit at the end of the table and then apart on opposite ends right and then we'd have conversations with whoever we were sitting around but then after some time went on. Uh, we found ourselves at one point sitting side by side. In the middle. In the middle. Talking to only each other. That's right. And it was great conversation. And All of the people didn't matter. No. And then um, it sort of started from there, I think, where I was like, this person, I like him. Like, not in that way, but as, like, this is someone I can actually talk with who isn't chauvinistic or just out for 
have I ever been chauvinistic even after 20 some years together? I don't think I would ever have classified you as chauvinistic. Well, that's a good thing. You got one thing um, for me. And you weren't, <laughs> your intentions were pure. Let's just say that. You weren't trying to like finagle your way inappropriately. So well. you were someone, well, at least you didn't show it at that point. You were someone that was really easy to talk to and really jovial and really outgoing. And I am not outgoing. Um, unless so, I'm an introvert until you get to know me and then I'm outgoing Very true. and but then would, I'm quirky. Would you say that I was the one that helped you and we probably never would have talked had I not broached the conversation with you? 100%. Because you would have just been, he's okay from a distance, but I don't have to talk to anyone because I don't really like to talk to people. Yeah. 100%. So thus started a two and a half year dating longest dating I do not ever. recommend dating for two and a half years. <laughs> it was, that's just way too long to not get into trouble. Um, right. and I mean, we came real close, but we held off and I'm thankful for that, but it, it could have been avoided. I mean, there's a reason why, um, that whole scripture in our younger years of, you know, that was thrown in our face all the time. Tis better to marry than to burn. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Um, we were burning. It, it may, it makes sense. And we weren't perfect. Nope. Um, we didn't have sex, but we sure came close. Yep. And it was one of those things that we wanted to avoid doing, but sure was getting harder and harder. And especially the few months before we got married, now yep. we moved into a place together and I had like a seven o'clock curfew. I couldn't yeah. stay late uh, because it was just, and we're like, no one's ever going to know, but we were like, we would. Yeah. And at that point, because we weren't perfect, we were thinking, well, what difference does it make at this point? But that's something we really wanted to to hang on to. Yep. Like, that's what we're going to do. And we did. And even even if we're thinking about it, the, the justification for it was wrong. Like, Well, hands down. I mean, sin is sin, right? So, um. I'm thankful that we held off. Yeah. Uh, in that regard, for sure. Um, because, I don't know, in my mind, having, like, you had never been with anyone, but I had. Yeah. And so, for me, it was just like, meh, um, what's the big deal? Although, after meeting you and things like that, it became super important to me to not cross that boundary, I guess you'd say. Because you, I think it was because you already had, and I think, did you, did you, when we were early dating, did you struggle with the fact that I had and you did and you thought? I felt because I felt like I, well, when I robbed myself because that whole situation was just it was pressure. volatile and it was pressured. And, um, with you knowing that you hadn't, yeah. I felt like, and knowing that we were going to get married, I definitely had to walk through some thoughts of, um, shame yeah. and that I robbed you of our wedding night. And did, did you ever feel and at any time before that wedding night that I shamed you or never made you feel less. Than no, this was my, this was my internal that was, dialogue, that was your internal dialogue. Internal, and you had always said, you're like this, you know, I didn't pray for someone to be 
um, pure in that way, even though I had, it was kind of a weird mindset, I guess, but, uh, you never, ever made me feel less than. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, after, so in our dating years as 19 and 20, I was 19 and 20. I got married when I was 21 and you were 23 when we got married. So it was like, um, super healthy. I can't think of anything that would have prepared me in my mind for what was to come. Right. Right. So everything going up to the wedding was smooth, I'd say in our relationship. Yeah. And so I didn't, I don't remember being like a bridezilla or causing undue stress. You were not. Um, at all. So like leading up to the wedding, I think everything went smoothly. I think, um, other we, than just normal family drama that we, well, it was family drama, but it wasn't you and I, but drama. it wasn't you and I drama. No. And family as in my family. Um, so like there was a little bit of cray cray on that side, but <laughs> you and I were functioning. I would assume what, as a normal newly or not newly engaged, but engaged couple excited to get married, excited to be together, excited for the wedding night and our honeymoon and all of that. I'm wondering where the money was going to come from and all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, come to the wedding day, you know, uh, there was never a doubt in my mind that I was following through, even though my dad had told me it was never too late to turn the other way and run out of the room. Really? Uh, yeah, he did. I feel and like I was I like, I was today years old when I learned that, that your dad said that. Yeah. Have he you did. been holding that from me? I guess so. I must have just stuffed it in the back of my mind, but I'm like, that's not happening. I'm marrying this man. He just better not stand me up at the altar. And then, you know, honestly, I was thinking the same thing when I was standing up there with the boys. She better show up. <laughs> I'm going to be angry. I'm wearing a tux. So, yeah. And then our wedding day, I think, went without a hitch. Yeah. It was, I could not have asked for a more pleasant, it was stressless at that point because anything that went wrong, it really didn't matter because I was marrying you. And then, um, we went away for our wedding night. It was lovely other than the fact that our hotel (laughs) balcony (laughs) was directly across the street from, from the strip clubs and downtown. Was, that night it was like Harley Palooza and everyone at yeah. three in the morning was firing up their bikes and revving them it, up at three in the morning. It was hilarious. It was the location was not ideal. But the room was great. <laughs> the, the room was fabulous. And wedding night and then we had our gift opening the next day and the very next day. It's like the light switch that was turned off was turned on and in a yeah. negative way. And or what was on was now off. Yeah, I guess that's probably a better way of saying it. And thus ensued a two and a half year battle to want to stay married and to want to continue to love you, even though I felt like you didn't deserve it. So tell me about that, the the day after. So now remember we had our own apartment. So 
we went back to our apartment and I was like, this is great as newlyweds. Like what else do, do newlyweds do other than have sex all day long? And we had our gift opening and it was just not like that at all. And whatever, however I had in my mind imagined newlywed life being, it was the complete opposite of that. So even, even after the honeymoon, even after we came back from our love. Oh, we hadn't left for a honeymoon yet. Oh, Remember right. we left like three days later? Yeah, and we went to Edmonton. Oh, which, bless you if you're from there, but that's not a honeymoon destination that's, that I would ever want to repeat. That's not, that's not a, <laughs> a destination choice. That's not a destination. That's a, what do you do when you're young bumpkins and you have very little money? You and and hit your up, uncle had to help you go away because yeah, he blew you, all your wad on the stinking... On the wedding. On the wedding. <laughs> even even the wedding was cheaper, although we had a nice wedding. We had a beautiful wedding. Um but yeah, it was just, so we didn't leave right away. Right. Um, but the idea that I had of newlywed life was fairy tale, a fairy tale reenactment, I guess, in my mind. And it did not live up to the movies. At all. At all. Actually, it was more like Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. Situation, like quite frankly. And so the day after the wedding, there was a barbecue happening with my side of the family that I'm like, we're not going to that because that's not what newlyweds do with their free time. And you had already made plans with your friend to go up to the rat cabin, which I had never been to. And this is straight out of a horror movie where we ended up going. But so right away, it was... Instead of being married couple and just being together yeah. and enjoying that few weeks of wedding bliss, we just immediately the next day, it was everything changed. It's like I needed all to be with my loose. friends instead of with you and the yeah. other. When we were dating, we had found a really good balance between being dating and me being with yeah. my friends. Uh, it, but something switched. And there's always a question that you're asking me and you've asked me a few times since then. I have asked you over the course of 19 years. And we'll actually, we just had this conversation today because... Maybe there had been an epiphany. I don't know. <laughs> there was no epiphany. Of what actually went wrong. Because from dating, which we dated for two and a half... Kind of funny, actually. I've just made the parallel in my mind. We dated for two and a half years, and we struggled for two and a half years. Wow. I didn't actually think about that. I didn't that. think about that till right now. Wow. But the two and a half year dating period was very romantic and very like swept off my feet. And you were you know, the knight in shining armor and whatever. And then the day after our wedding, the, the switch goes off and you were completely disconnected. Couldn't, couldn't give a care in the world about my thoughts or my feelings. It was all about you from here on in. Yeah. For the next two and a half years. As long as your needs were getting met on your timeline. Right. It was like a cat. Right. But I could not, I could I not, um, what's the word like approach for, for whatever affection, whether it be physical, anything like that, unless it was on your terms, because, you know, typically it's, it's the wife that's like, well, I've got a headache or whatever. And in this case, it was you yep. with the billion and one excuses to why we wouldn't have yeah, any kind of nothing intimacy. like we wouldn't communicate. You just shut down. Yeah. And we moved. From Kelowna to West Kelowna, uh, Winfield, no wait, the other way around. Yeah, West we did. Bank, over the bridge, and we lived in a basement suite there. And pretty much all I did was I, I worked. And you played video games. I played video games. Men, it, I have very strong feelings 
about video games when it is a deterrent and a distraction to keep you from your wife and or your children. And if it's the wife who has the addiction to video games, um, seek help, seek help and reprioritize what's actually important. Right. There is a statistic that we read about a year and a half ago. We were doing a, what we call a grow day. Uh, and it was in just a relationship grow day. A bunch of married couples and a couple engaged couples came and we had a, uh, Natalie and I were on the panel. And one of the stats was that two years ago, uh, whenever Fortnite came out, so it's probably about a year and a half ago when Fortnite came out in the UK, they saw a 5% spike in, uh, marriages stopping, uh, and f- or divorce calls coming yeah. into lawyers because of, of video games. Yeah, it's a real problem. And so um, all I did, all I did legitimately yeah. was I would go to work. I'd spend my eight or ten hours. Sometimes I wasn't even working full time. It was yeah. part time. And then I would go and just yeah. play video games at home until 10 or 11 at night. And then I would go over to bed and she'd already be sleeping. And I, I really don't remember very much intimate times there at all. There's virtually no sex at all. No. Um, in, in those, in that time. That's right. And then from there, do you want to add anything onto that time frame well, before we moved? Um, so it was one of those. Okay. So we left, we had been married for, um, 11 months right. before we left town. Yeah. And in those, in that time, I mean, gosh, we had no couple friends mm-hmm. at all actually we had a lot of single friends but we had no couple friends at that point right um and your sisters were kind of too young still yeah. to like hang out uh so i didn't and so i worked and i worked opposite schedule yeah to you so, so i, I work, did i worked yeah. as a nursing assistant and i did graveyards and you would work during the day so that we were on opposite shifts. And why did you do that? Why did you choose that schedule? Because uh, I chose it because I didn't want, well, I didn't want to see you. Right. You and I didn't want to talk to you because it was pointless. And now, mind you, I say talk. Um, at this point, I tried every kind of tactic to get your attention. Right. So if it was, you know, a manipulating of the conversation or something to get you to modify your behavior so that you could see, like I tried everything. I tried crying and, and the crying wasn't an act. It was legit, but like nothing got through the shell that you turned on right after we got married. And there came like a wall of, uh, you can tell me and you would, I remember like your eyes were almost glazed over and you just, I would talk and you would tune me out and you wouldn't listen and you would bring friends over at all hours of the day. So, you know, if I had planned something special, because seriously, I sought out advice from my parents and I'm like, like, what do I do? And my dad gave me some suggestions and, and I tried all of that and it was like, um, Nothing worked. Nothing worked to get you to see me. Like if I was standing in the front in front of the TV, um, you would lean to the side and ask me to move, right? And so it was just. I I don't know what it was that I could do to get through to you that I hadn't tried already. 
Right. And that included all the marriage tricks and all the, the, the things that they say to do regarding sex and all that stuff. And then there was communication things. And I, I just yeah, remember. Yeah, like we just didn't talk. I just remember for some reason in my head, it was like, it was like two and a half years of fog. If I think back and we've thought about this a lot and we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. If I think back, it legitimately is just two and a half years of just straight fog where I wasn't engaged with you, but I wasn't really engaged with church. I wasn't engaged with no. my friends. I definitely wasn't engaged in my relationship with God. No. And the biggest, the one who's supposed to be the biggest cheerleader in your life was the one that I didn't want to spend time with. Or I did want to spend time with you, but it had to be superficial. I did want it right. to be deep because it was, we didn't want to go there. And it, and, and I say this all the time and Natalie always will probably even today will add an addendum or a little tag to what I'm about to say. The reason the marriage didn't work and almost failed for the first two and a half years is because of me, not because of her. There is very little that she did wrong when I even think back. And I think back, my fog means when my my brain was fogged to you. When it came to how I was going to engage in um, work and everything else, you were present and you were there. But when it came to my relationship. And so when I say two and a half years... Uh, the marriage almost, we almost, we were, so we'll get to there, but we were almost close to divorce. There was nothing that Natalie did wrong. She did her best to make me dinner. She did her best to be there. She was never super argumentative, even though she's French and sometimes we just, and she's passionate about arguing with me. Um, We had some good times in there, but they were superficial and they were, there was no depth, No, but there was no, there was nothing in me that wanted to engage with her. And I remember we've been talking about internal dialogue with my sister and some of our friends. Mm-hmm. My internal dialogue was there was always a part of me that's like, what are you doing? But that part would never win out. Right. That that mental argument would never win. It would always like, no, you do what you're going to do. Yeah. And, and we could we could turn on the charm and we did. Oh boy, did we ever. So behind closed doors, we were those behind closed doors um, fighters, I guess. Yeah. But out in the public eye when there was people around because pride gets in the way. And up until this point, um, it really felt like we had no support. Right. So when you feel like all hope is gone, everything that you're trying is moot, like there's no point. Then when you're out in public or, you know, at an event or things like that, you put on the charm and we could be affectionate and Seriously, as we talked with some of our friends who knew us back then, they were shocked when they found out that we were having problems. They, at the time, were like, oh, you guys, we thought were relationship goals. Yeah. And like, boy, <laughs> did you have us wrong. Don't have your relationship goals after our first two and a half years yeah. of marriage, but... Maybe not even after our first 10, let's be honest. Right? No. But... but go ahead. So what you you were saying earlier, um, when we were chatting, there was a time when we had our... you. And I, so I, I want to say this. I said there was emotional abuse and the fact that I, I was abusing her as my wife and the fact that I wasn't engaging the way a man should. Right. Um, there was never really any verbal abuse. I was hard on her, but I wasn't like calling her names or... No, really, you never name called. No. And then there was never any physical abuse and a lot of it was just emotional abuse. And it wasn't that I was um, manipulating her cause I'm real terrible at that. But yeah. I was also, I was almost kind of manipulating her to do what I wanted by being as strong personality as I am still, I'm yeah. still that strong personality, but I've turned it to for good instead of evil. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> right. Um, and so, there- and I'm like, 
I mean, you're a big personality, but so you're, am I. You're quite a large and personality. And I am not afraid of conflict. That's for sure. At all. Especially so with me. If, especially with you. And <laughs> if you brought your conflict game and your conflict face, yeah. uh, I met you there. Yeah. And there, it was at that point, I think it wasn't to resolve. It was to be heard and to be right. And in those times... I didn't think you were heard. I didn't hear you. And you definitely were not right. That's in, right. In my mind. In your mind. And, Even though. And I was pressing yeah. to be heard to prove that I was right. And right. like, it just was this head bashing thing. We were going nowhere. It's like, it's like two people being on a treadmill facing each other and they're running full tilt, but they're never getting any closer. Ooh, that's a good one. That just came now to you. We're going to have to remember that for later. Right. But that's exactly <laughs> what it felt like for two and a half years that we were, we weren't even on the same treadmill trying to help each other up. No. It was, um, it's like two people fighting. We were fighting each other on oh, everything. Exactly. We right. were not coming together. Um, and you, you might ask, well, where's God and all of that? Good question. Because, um, God was not a part of that moment. God was not a part of that moment until we came to the end of ourselves. Let's just go back for just a little bit. I remember you gave me the ultimatum. You said that if something doesn't change by this time, we're going to be moving on to the next stage. I think you meant divorce. Yeah. Even though we swore we'd never say that was part of our no part of our journey. We would never say that. And the reason why, I mean, you come from a divorced family. My right. Uh, I do not. And so to me, that was the ultimate failure. Right. And I remember that ultimatum that you're talking about was like a December 31st. So that would have been, um, just after your birthday. Yeah. And so, um, to put into context two and a half years where you're like, okay, you know, was it just lack of communication? I mean, there was no physical intimacy. It was essentially celibacy. If we look at that, which is not God's intention for marriage at all. It caught me off guard because when we're dating, we barely keep our hands off of each other to flip the switch to now where, you know, I felt inadequate as a woman and I'm like, I had gained a little bit of weight and so I felt unattractive and like my mind just went to all the worst case scenarios as to what could have possibly contributed to your pulling away emotionally, pulling away physically, pulling away mentally, like even verbally because we weren't even communicating. Uh, you know, there was no, how's your day? You look lovely. There was, there was no affirmation whatsoever on either of our parts. Right in that whole timeline. So then comes a point, you know, in my own heart where I'm like, I don't feel as though like I've done anything to warrant this kind of behavior. Yeah. Now in a future podcast, we'll probably get to when the Lord spoke to me about my part in all of this. That'll be a good one. But at that point in the game of marriage, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, made known to me. No. I was unaware of my part. And let me tell you, and we've said it before in our podcast, the power of the tongue can either build up or destroy. And um, I used it as a weapon. Yeah. 
Let's just put it that way. And I was vicious and I was cunning and I knew exactly the things from your past that would hurt you. I knew exactly when to use them and how to use them in hopes that something would snap you out of it. Yeah. And it had the, it had the most horrible um, response. (laughs) It did not work uh, at all. Right. And so giving the ultimatum that I'm like, all right, on the, on the basis of we are not intimate whatsoever. I will not continue to be married and spend the rest of my life a shell of a human being unwanted by our husband physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, anything. spiritually, anything. Um, I felt like you were sinning against God and sinning against me because you were withholding all of those things. Right. And, um, and I so was, then came the ultimatum. Right. And then the ultimatum, I was like, Psh, whatever. She's just, you know, she's never going to leave me. Uh, and then there came a moment where I realized that she might, and I actually panicked um, a little bit in my heart and probably a little bit outwards because one time she packed up and she left. Uh, she was she sat in the car for an hour, and in that time, everything went through my head. And that that even then, did, that didn't shift me. And it was this one time you said, I walked into the bedroom. We had just finished having a big argument with this. I walked into the bedroom. I turned around. I walked out into the bathroom. Yeah. And what did you say after I spent time in the bathroom? So... Earlier, I had mentioned that your eyes were kind of glazed over, and it was as though the Brian that I fell in love with was no longer there. Mm -hmm. It's like he up and left, he packed his bags in the night, and then I have his evil twin is really how it felt for two and a half years. And I remember like, what is going on that you're doing this? Like, do you not even realize that you're treating me this way? And you were... I felt as though you were embarrassed to be with me in public yeah. and your own coworkers thought you made up the fact that you had a wife because none of them believed no, no one had seen me. No one had ever heard of me. Yeah. Um, you know, I was not allowed to just show up at your work. Like you had all of these barriers and boundaries put in place. Uh, part of me thought you were cheating on me. Yep. Um, because it's the only thing I could think of that logically tangibly made sense as to why we were in the predicament we were. Um, and then part of me was like, maybe he strung me along. And I think I remember, I remember telling you this where I thought maybe you're not interested in women Yeah. and you strung me along and now I'm finding out the most horrible way ever. And so there was that element that had popped into my head. Cause I'm like, nothing makes sense. Like if men are built visually and they can't like, they're built to be physical with their wives and this isn't happening. What could be the reason right. that this is not happening? Yeah. And so my mind just went every which way. Um, I'm thankful that I did not choose to be unfaithful to you in the midst of all that nonsense. Yeah. And I'm extremely grateful that you you were interested in women and me particularly. And I'm really grateful that you didn't go the route of like it wasn't an unfaithful situation yeah. that kind of launched. No. And so you said, I mean, I went into the bathroom and then I came right. out. So you were glazed over for two and a half, two years. And a half years, literally the day after our wedding. I remember thinking, who is this man and right. what I was like backpedaling really fast. What have I done? And how can I fix it? Yeah. 
and um, he had walked in. It was probably so. At this particular ultimatum, like we had company coming down because it was the end of December and stuff. So we were going to put our A game on. Um, but I told him, I'm like, company's leaving on this day and you have until this day. And so we're not playing games anymore. Right. And you walked in the washroom probably a week or two before company came, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And you walked in and it was just your usual arrogant, pompous... <laughs> jerky self walked into the bathroom. Wow. And I don't know what transpired from the moment. Cause it wasn't a, a long time that you were in there. And when you walked out, you walked towards me and I remember thinking, well, there's those eyes. There was a softness. Mm-hmm. There was, um, affection. There was the way that you carried yourself was completely, like an old dream. Right. And I remember distinctly looking at you and going, what in the expletive just happened to you? Right. Because you walked in the bathroom, your old way, an old, like the new old way, the jerky way, (laughs) the jerky way. And you came out and the person that I dated and fell in love with, uh, is here. What kind of a sick, cruel joke are you trying to play on me? For the last two and a half years. For the last, oh, we had words. And you felt as though you couldn't explain to me what actually happened there. And the truth is, is I still can't. I remember the conversation I had with myself in the bathroom, um, clear as day, because I remember the moment that I came out, mm-hmm. you actually started crying. Um, cause you're like, because I, when I said to you, you said, because I, I think I walked out and the first thing I said to you is I love you and I am sorry for the last two and a half years. And I had that, the, I remember that. I yeah. remember that part. I don't remember much after that, but I, I remember going into the bathroom and being, looking in the mirror and being like, God, I don't want to be divorced. I come from a divorced home. Mm-hmm. I know the destruction that it, it creates. And we didn't even have kids in that moment, Mm-mm. but I love this woman, Lord. I love her with all my heart, my whole, my soul. And I'm showing it very, very badly. God, help me be different. Mm-hmm. And and it was like a submission in that moment. And it was a conversation I had with myself. And I had to literally, it's almost like the wall crumpled in that moment. And that's when I turned around. I walked out and said, I love you. I am sorry for the last two and a half years. I've been in, insert bad word here. Yeah. And we, you cried. I think I, I don't think I cried, but I was like, things, maybe I did. I don't remember. But See, the, you were there, soft. I was soft mm-hmm. and I came at it from a different, and from there, it's not that the old way didn't try to rear its ugly head, but it was, it was essentially in that moment because I made the decision to pursue that, which I loved Yeah, and pursue the wife of my youth to, uh, and begin. And so it was like from there we had two and a half years of misery, but we also had like two and a half years of being dating that was really fun and really good to work with right. two and a half years of misery to know, Hey, this is what we don't want in a marriage. Yeah. And now it was like, we almost started dating again and we started having fun and laughing and we started praying together eventually. And then yeah. we don't do devotions very well together because we have such different styles, but we've learned over the years to live the life together. Yeah. And it came down to the fact that I chose to pursue you yeah. again. Uh, that's a good, a good mental note. 
you pursued me with vigor yeah. in our dating years mm-hmm. to get to the altar. And then after that, you were saying even tonight when we were talking that it was, it's like, what's the point now? I've already got the girl. Right. And, and I, I don't know if that was part of the, the mental process. That's what society beats into you. Mm-hmm. That's what you see in all the movies. You know, you do all this work for the dating and then you get married and then it's all over. I think that it was two and a half years of fog and there's really no reason for it other than I just, I, I gave in to, I gave in to what society said had to happen that once right. I have the girl, I don't need to continue. And so it's been another 17 and a half years uh, of pursuing you again. We've had our ups, we've had our downs. Yep. I think that if we're going to, uh, there's a whole nother podcast. There's a whole nother episode in the next 10 years. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that too. Is, so is the next 10 have... years of life yeah. that changed for us and how we learned how to communicate, how we reached out to see one thing that even if you were to hear the episode of my mom, yeah, when she was doing the divorce thing, she was saying she had no one to speak into her life. She yeah. had no friends around here. Yeah. She, she had no counseling. She didn't reach out. We very much live that. And exactly. The truth is, is that we're lucky that we made it past the two and a half years that God was an, was able to shake my mind yep. and my heart into something different. And I was able to step into to being the man of the house. And again, that's that's a whole other thing. But you, you, you have to pursue the wife. You have to pursue yep. your husband. Well, then you have to pursue, I think you said it earlier, what you were what you loved. And you had to come back to that place in your walk with God. Right. And I but, did too, because for first for those times, you know, yes, I prayed, and yes, I sent out all right. the angry requests of change him, Lord, change him, Lord, and I mean, God in His mercy and grace worked with that, right? Because I didn't want to be divorced, but I also didn't want to continue down the same road. Yeah, and I think if anything, we're a cautionary tale. And a success story is a cautionary tale is that if you want to have a successful marriage and this is, this all happened without us stepping out on each other and us being unfaithful. No. And we weren't, we remained faithful to each other. There was no adultery whatsoever. That's a whole nother layer that we've helped couples. We've worked with couples walking through that. That's a whole nother layer of misery and how we didn't even have that. And it was already hard. Yeah. Right. And if you want your marriage to work, you guys need to just turn to each other, pursue each other, and then work your tail off to make your relationship work. Communicate. Communicate, but fight, like fight for each other. Don't give up. And I think that, that if I, if I think back, Natalie didn't give up. She was getting ready to, because it was, it would have been tiring. I know how I am now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot sometimes because I'm strong. I know what I want. I'm driven. I'm moving forward and I, I want to be right. And so I know what I was like back then. I was an unhealthy mm-hmm. man. I was yeah. not a, a, a healthy, I'm a challenger on the Enneagram scale. I was unhealthy Yeah. and I was not a good leader of the house. I was not a good friend. I was not even a, a good husband or a good son or a good yeah. brother. I was bad at all of those things. Because I was so focused on me and not willing to move, uh, not willing to submit and be like, God, you got to do something right? And, and make the decision to choose. Yeah. And we had, literally, we had no support whatsoever. Right. I mean, we had family where we were living, but um, it just wasn't, 
it wasn't enough right. at all. And so it felt really hopeless because, you know, we had a really hard time finding a church and then it was like, do we share? And then we found a group that we felt like we could share in. And so we were vulnerable and with vulnerability comes, you know, the, the chancing that that's going to be used against you. And in our case it was, and it did not leave. I mean, it was like just wound upon wound upon wound. Um, even after we were okay and then we're like, let's, let's join something that helps couples, right? We had decided to stay together. The scales kind of came off of your eyes. We were in like a, a young adults group and then just, you know, we felt battered by the people there. And, um, I'm actually surprised that we didn't just walk away from church Completely. And walk away. You know, I, we know many people that it takes less than that for them to get offended with church and with God and to walk away. But I'm, for whatever reason. Let's, let's be clear though. We were upset with God. Oh, we, oh, we were upset, and but we were, we were upset with church. Um, but that didn't stop us from going. No. And pursuing and, and being pursuing. A part of. Exactly. But then, and there are some of those things. One, God didn't cause me to be a bad husband. No, that was a choice you made. That was a choice I yep. made. Just like all the other other choices that I made uh, regarding my bad behavior at the beginning, that's not God's fault. That's my fault. No. I was the one that has to take responsibility for my bad behavior. Exactly. And so how you had said, oh, it was all, you know, that I hadn't done anything wrong. And you said that should probably disagree. Yeah, I do disagree because, you know, even though it, it did not become clear to me what my role was in that whole entire thing until year 10 or 11, when we when when we finally reset that back, and yeah, like, oh, we have this really great testimony. Let's use it for something, right? And we started working with couples and be like, oh man, yeah. Do you remember when we had to struggle yeah. through that? We can help. We can we can pray for them. We can encourage exactly. them. Here's some steps you can take. But it's certainly not one sided. No, no. Uh, honestly speaking, I know it's easier to to put all of the onus on you. Uh, and ideally that would be the best case scenario, but it's not the realistic scenario. Uh, it very much was me. Um, I believe that I was a hundred percent of the problem in just how I chose to speak to you, chose to speak about you, the thoughts I had towards you. I'm still accountable for that. But here's the other thing is that in all of those things, I didn't know how you were talking about me behind my back. I still had to make all those to- choices. I didn't know what you were saying. I didn't know what you were thinking. One, we're not communicating, so how can I know those things? All right. But I'm not – and I will always, always take responsibility for the first two and a half years. You can do whatever you want. You're wrong. It's oh. fine. <laughs> <clears throat> it's okay. I can tell her that she's wrong now and not get into an argument. I appreciate that, although I know my part in it. And now, it I was not innocent. But the, the, the thing is, is that really in the you didn't marry me – thinking that he's going to shut off and I'm really going to have to be the best wife ever. That's not, not what at, happened at all. No. And so there's no, there's really nothing that you can say that's ever going to deter me from the fact that I'm the one that caused the first two and a half years to be just, a, now, I'll give you the next five after that. If you want that, right. you can take the next five. It's all you. It was terrible. She did all the things wrong. Yeah. All the great dinners she had for me and the walks and the love that she yeah. showed me. It was horrible. I couldn't believe her. Well, it was conditional. Let's, let's be, I'll be realistic. Yeah. It was in hopes that something would, <laughs> yeah, right. would change. I know you described yourself as walking in a fog. How I would describe the experience of that time was I fell off the edge of a cliff 
in the dark and I'm grabbing for a tree root or something to yeah. hang on to. And it was just a fall that just never ended. Yeah. You know, you have those dreams where you're falling. It was that. It was like that. That's how for I For two and a half years. For two and a half years. Yeah. Lordy, lordy. You know, it. I'm, and now we have children. And I'm thankful that we had no children in that time. We have time. a good life and things are good. Yeah. And we have a really strong healthy marriage. But the one thing we've had to do is we've had to find right friends. Yes. We've had to find the right cheerleaders in our life to make sure yes. they're going to cheer us on and call us on our crap Yeah, to push us forward to being better, to find the right mentors in my life, to mm-hmm. be around people that are always cheering for you and to pursue our relationship with God and, and then pursue your relationship with each other. Like yeah. don't give up because it gets tough. Right. Yeah. So that takes us to year what? Three. Three. Oh Lord, we've got a lot to talk about. <laughs> we really appreciate you listening. And if you're sitting on your couch today yeah. or on your chair or do whatever it is you're doing and you're hearing this and you're just feeling like you identify with this yeah, and parts of this are your story, we would love for you to reach out. Mm-hmm. We'd love to have a chat with you. We'd love to be able to coach you through, to answer any questions, yeah. to give you some advice, to even pray for you. Yep. I mean, marriage can be lonely enough. Right. And sometimes uh, an outside source yeah. can definitely be all the difference. And so if you are that person and you're sitting there and you've been listening to our episodes and we have them come out every single Monday, but you've been listening to these episodes and something is just hitting you in your heart, please. Email us. Email us at amplifiedmarriage@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can reach us on Facebook. You can reach us on Instagram. Instagram. We would love to hear from you. And if in all of this you have a question or a topic or something yep. that you really feel would be beneficial to you, we want to be here to help you. Absolutely. So send us that email, send us that question. We'd love to hear it. And as you have heard us say before, mm-hmm. we believe that marriage can be reset, refreshed, recharged, and restored. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.